when I worked for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students or FOCUS, there was several very particular phrases that we used uh, to talk about the mission that we were on as FOCUS missionaries. The first was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. I can't actually tell you the actual verse, what it says, but I can summarize it because we heard this all the time. It basically says, teach teachers to teach. So we are all called to be teachers, to teach the faith to those around us, and thus we're asked to teach others uh, and show them how to teach so that they also then may teach others. The second one that was proclaimed to us very often was actually our second reading today, where it says, with such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves as well. So dearly beloved, had you become to us. The premise of this passage is that we have love for someone so much that we desire for their salvation, and in desiring their salvation out of love for them, we share with them the gospel of God, the saving gospel of God. We love someone so much that we share with them the saving gospel of God. So how many of you love someone so much that you desire to share the very gospel with them and thus your entire life revolves around sharing your gospel, sharing the gospel with those whom you love? Hopefully that exists in our families. Hopefully that exists with mothers and fathers loving their children so much that they share the gospel with them they don't just drag them to Mass, but also at home, teach them how to pray. Sit down with them and teach them their catechism. Sit down with them, teach them how to love God. What it looks like to love God. What it looks like to pray. What it looks like to live this Catholic life. This is what we are all called to do. We hear from Pope Paul VI, St. Pope Paul VI, he says, those who are teachers of the faith must first be witnesses. People listen more often to witnesses than they do to teachers. And so I think our gospel lines up with this as well from what Pope Paul VI said, because in our gospel it's the scribes and Pharisees who love the high places of honor, but their lives don't reflect the very things that they teach to others. Their lives don't reflect the very things that they are preaching about and interpreting from the law. That was the job of the scribes and Pharisees, was to interpret the law of Moses to the people of the day. So they knew how to live the law of Moses in the world in which they lived. So when Jesus calls to them and says, the scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses, therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. This chair of Moses, there's a special chair in the synagogue in which the scribes and Pharisees would, Pharisees would sit on, and from this chair they would interpret the law of Moses. Now there was the law, there was the law of God and the Ten Commandments, but then there is also the 613 laws of Moses that exist in Deuteronomy. And so they interpreted these laws so they knew how to live out the law according to their day. 
This word for chair is actually the word cathedra. Cathedra is the Greek word that means chair, but is is the word that we use today to reference our cathedral. The cathedral that is in every single diocese in the entire world, which is the place upon which the bishop sits, from which he teaches, from which he has the authority to give the law, to give the gospel of God and to interpret it according to what we need to hear in our modern world. Not to change it, but to teach us so we know how to live in our world today. And so it's a similar phrase, it's a similar usage, and we're all called, all of us who are in leadership are called to transform our lives such that we are good witnesses of the very things that we teach. I think of this in families. In families, when mothers and fathers teach their children the faith, but their lives look completely different, or they take their kids to CCD, or they put them in our school, but their lives never follow up with the very things that they are showing them, or at least that they are putting the the things that they are putting them into. I think about this, if they want them to be a great basketball player, and they encourage them and take them to all the practices, but they don't actually encourage them at home to learn how to dribble better, or to learn the rules of the game better. They can't become a better athlete, if they don't practice outside of the normal practice times and outside the games. In our faith, we can't just go to CCD and we can't just go to Mass and expect to be a better Catholic and expect to receive the fullness of the gospel. It requires it to be taught by mothers and fathers in the home. And study after study after study has shown that it actually comes from fathers. If the faith is to be passed on, if the faith is going to be passed on in a, in a clear way, it comes from the Father. It's a really interesting sociological study to read about, about how fathers pass on the faith. One of the things that was very moving in the Holy Land when we were there, when we went to the Wailing Wall, which was the Western Wall, the wall that was closest uh, to the back side of the temple where the Holy of Holies, the, the Ark of the Covenant would have been. When you go to the Wailing Wall, there's Jews, there's men on one side, women on the other, and you see fathers with their sons going up to the wall, and they would be tying on their phylacteries, and you'd see them with their tassels. What are, their, what are the phylacteries? Jesus references them in our gospel today. The phylacteries are a wooden box that have leather, uh, leather straps tied onto them and they wrap them around their arm and in, that, and in that little box they write the summary of the law which is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God. Love him with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind and your whole heart. The Lord is one. This is the thing that they would recite daily to recognize how they were called to love God. And when they'd pray, they'd put the phylactery on their hand. I'm not exactly sure why. But they'd also tie it to their forehead. They'd tie it to their forehead to remind them that they were called to love God, that this is where they would love God, that they would constantly have his word on their mind. And when fathers would bring their sons into into pray at the Wailing Wall... It was very beautiful to see how they would teach them how to tie these on, 
And then they'd be teaching them how to read the Hebrew Scriptures, how to read the Torah, and to teach them how to pray, to teach them the law, to teach them the love of God as they understood it. Fathers are called to pass on the faith in this same way, to take their children and to teach them how to pray, to love them so much, so be filled with so much love for them that they desire their salvation to pass it on. It's also important to teach children apologetics, how to defend the faith. When we read through our, when we read through our gospel today, Jesus says, Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. There are non-Catholic denominations who say to priests or to say to Catholics, well, you call your priest father, so you're obviously not following what Jesus says. Well, if we take the scriptures in a whole, as a whole, we see that many times in the Old Testament that the leaders in the faith are called fathers. We see in the New Testament there's many times where St. Paul references himself being a father in the faith to a certain community. We see that St. Stephen in Acts chapter, in Acts, in Acts chapter 9, where he references uh, Abraham and Isaac as a father in the faith, we see that this word father, the Greek word pater, is used over and over and over to refer to the fathers in the faith, those who have passed on the faith. And in 1 John, we see how 1 John references it, references it as he is a child of the fathers in the faith and the community in which he is writing to. And he recognizes the fathers, those who have handed on the faith to the children, to the rest of the community. And if Jesus is being explicit and literal in this phrase, then there, we could never call our own biological fathers father, or dad, or Abba, or, any, or Papa, or anything like that. Because it would be a direct contradiction to what Jesus is saying. And so we know that in this, Jesus is using hyperbole. He's using hyperbole in reference to when... In reference, in, in a similar way that when he said, when your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. When your eye caused you to sin, gouge it out. He's not telling you to run around handless and eyeless because you've sinned with your hand and your eyes. He's saying, turn away from the sin. Turn away from the very things that cause you to sin. And even in this passage, he's saying, don't just flippantly call someone a father. Ultimately, our, our father in heaven is our father and those who are spiritual fathers in our lives, those are the ones that we call fathers. And so we make reference to priests as father because they are spiritual fathers. They have been ordained to serve a community, to lead the community, to lead them in prayer, to lead them in study, to lead them closer to God, which is what fathers are called to do. And so we become spiritual fathers in Catholic parishes. And ultimately, our gospel ends today by Jesus saying, the greatest among you must be your servant. Fathers, you're called to be servants of your family. Not for your family to serve you, but for you to serve your family. The type of leadership that Jesus calls for in families, in the church, is one in which the leader serves doesn't steal from the, from the group, doesn't take, take advantage of their authority, 
but they serve. And so this fulfillment of what St. Paul expects of us in his letter to the Thessalonians, to love those around us, love them enough to give them the faith, to teach them the faith, to show them how to live the faith, that they may live out the gospel that God calls each of us to live out so that we may receive the salvation that God desires for us, and that we may receive eternal life as God intends for us at the end of this life here on earth.